The Ukrainian language is a crucial aspect of Ukraine's struggle to remain independent of Russia. Preserving the Ukrainian language is essential for maintaining Ukraine's distinct cultural and national identity, and in the current context, to resisting efforts by Russia to control and dominate it politically. During Ukraine's history, there have been efforts to suppress the use of the Ukrainian language, particularly during the Soviet era, when Russian was promoted as the primary language of communication. However, since Ukraine gained independence in 1991, there has been a renewed emphasis on the Ukrainian language and its role in shaping the country's national identity. The Ukrainian government has taken steps to strengthen the status of the Ukrainian language, including passing laws to promote its use in public life, education and government institutions. It has also sought to counter Russian propaganda efforts by promoting Ukrainian language media and cultural events. Russian propaganda has labelled this process as persecution and Russophobia. Welcome to Silicon Curtain. All our content is also available on popular podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please like and subscribe to help new people find our fantastic speakers. And of course, if you enjoy the content, consider supporting us by becoming a patron. We'll be adding exclusive content there, such as chats and FAQs and extended conversations with our amazing guests. Ina Saprochuk is creator and host of the popular YouTube channel Speak Ukrainian and has made it her mission to be a guide to the language and culture of Ukrainian ancestors. She created the online school Speak Ukrainian and as well as the free course, she's created textbooks, flashcards and structured online classes to help her audience reach their language goals. The course is intended both for interested foreigners, but also for Ukrainians to help connect with their ancestral roots. Ina regularly posts video lessons about Ukrainian grammar, vocabulary, and phonetics. Welcome to the channel, and I'm delighted that you could join me, even though you are now uh, back on a, on a trip in Ukraine itself, aren't you? Yeah, привіт, привіт. Uh, thank you for inviting me, um, and uh, I would like to talk to you about the language uh, issue because it is still um, a very important thing here. And yes, I'm in Ukraine. I'm happy to be here, and um, to tell the truth, um, yes, we still have uh, the war in Ukraine, but I feel safe here because it's my native land, and. Yes, um, you feel here like at home. That's good. And you have power and you had a relatively smooth journey. And I think that's that's an extraordinary testament to the resilience of Ukrainian Ukrainians. The fact that apart from at the very front lines, so much infrastructure, supply chains, transport, electricity, so many aspects of, quotes normal life are, are still working. Yes, uh, it's true. Uh, currently, I'm in the city of Mykolaiv. It is located in the south of Ukraine. Um, yeah, it, it takes like one hour to drive from Mykolaiv to Kherson and two hours and a half to drive from Mykolaiv to Odessa. And uh, Mykolaiv uh, was under heavy missiles nine months uh, before the, um, the occupation of uh, Kherson. And um, yes, and the city is uh, destroyed a lot, but uh, now um, I see that uh, it uh, fully 
fully um, restored and everything works here. And uh, I bulked in the central uh, street yesterday and uh, there were a lot of people, um, a lot of kids, women, um, youth, and all um, restaurants, coffee shops, banks, um, some administrative buildings, everything works. And um, so um, you feel the life in the city. And uh, yes, and the, there are many Ukrainian flags on the streets. So, and um, yes, you feel the spirit of, um, of Ukraine here and um, I love it and of course um, uh, um, all like service people everywhere everywhere they speak Ukrainian and that's probably a really interesting place to start because of course your channel is intended for foreigners who are interested in learning Ukrainian and you know I mean Ukrainian was not necessarily the language of choice going back a few years uh, people would have chosen Russian because we know Russian um, Russian politics, Russian soft power has been strong over the years and, of course, Russian propaganda. But there's been an uptick in the interest of learning Ukrainian. Um, but it's not just confined to foreigners, is it? There are many within Ukraine whose primary language may be Russian and their Ukrainian may be a bit rusty or they can read it but not speak it. So what's your impression of the uptake of Ukrainian language within Ukraine itself? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, before uh, the full-scale war, um, of course, um, uh, most people in the east, south, north of Ukraine, they, uh, um, they used to speak Russian, uh, of course, and um, that was because many people from uh, Russia uh, they uh, moved to Ukraine during the Soviet Union, uh, and especially in the east of Ukraine, there were a lot of uh, mines, factories, plants, and uh, people from the um, northern, eastern parts of Russia, they were forced to be there, and they worked there at the factories, and they, um, they were originally like from Russia and they, of course, they spread the language and the culture there. And um, yeah, in the South of Ukraine, people also used to speak Russian language a lot. Um, that's true. And like Odessa, I think the half of the population uh, of Odessa were Russian people. And of course they, they moved there, especially during the Soviet times because Odessa it was like, um, like a beautiful resort city with a black sea, with a beautiful views, with a um, yeah. So many many people wanted to live there in Odessa. Um, yeah. So so there were different factors that formed this Russian speaking atmosphere in these regions of Ukraine. Yeah. Although um, um, I am. Um, I was born in the south of Ukraine, in Kherson region, and um, I went to Ukrainian school, and uh, I learned Ukrainian language for 11 years at school. I learned English la language for six years, and I learned Russian language three years. So we had um, like one lesson per week of Russian language, and it was like a foreign language. 
So for me, Ukrainian language was my native language, indeed. And of course, I was fluent in Russian because I watched a lot of uh, movies, TV shows uh, in Russian uh, and uh, also many Ukrainian channels. They um, uh, they they produced lots of uh, products also in Russian and I read many books in Russian. I have a big library at home and um, there were lots of Russian classic books and of course I read them and therefore I, I was fluent in Russian language. Indeed, but I can say that in Kherson region, in my native village, I used to speak Ukrainian or some like Surzhik, it's a social act, like mix of Russian and Ukrainian, but it is closer to Ukrainian language. And then when I went to Kherson to study at university, and of course, um, uh, my um, group mates and uh, university teachers, they uh, spoke Russian. And I um, started to use more Russian language there. Uh, but then after 2014 uh, at university, uh, all subjects were only in Ukrainian language because uh, we, we had lots of subjects like some general subject like psychology, um, his, um, no, um, like psychology, philosophy, etc. They were taught in Russian language, and we had all uh, teachers like they were very old, like from the Soviet Union, etc. So they got their education during the Soviet time, so it was obvious. But then, when we had more like topics uh, connected to the linguistics, when we learned language and translation, of course, we we um, spoke and. Uh, write essay or different titles only in Ukrainian language and of course um, yes I think that um, after 2014 the situation started to change but very slowly in the south of Ukraine that's what that's what I can say and then in uh, 2018 uh, we had a language law uh, that started um, to become popular in 2019 when service people they had to speak in Ukrainian language so if you go to restaurant to post office anywhere you you have to get your like um service in Ukrainian but if you want to ask please could you please speak to me in Russian because I don't speak Ukrainian I'm from Russia or could you please speak English if you know please you can you can do this so uh, I can say that in Ukraine, um, um, people tolerated Russian language a lot and we didn't have any kind of um, opposite, opposite, opposite thoughts uh, against it. And it was just a big propaganda that uh, um, like in Ukraine, um, there are some nationalists or in the in the west of Ukraine there are Mandara people and they want to um, uh, they want to cancel Russian culture and language etc but it wasn't true uh, we just lived in our country and we felt free and um, you could speak any language uh, at home and even right now it is okay you can speak uh any any language in your everyday life so it's up to you but in um in public um 
yes, you have to speak Ukrainian. But the situation changed. Um, also in 2012, we had the president Yanukovych and he wanted to uh, adjust the language law about the regional language. So Ukrainian language was always the official language of Ukraine since 1991. Uh, the only one, but uh, after 2012, uh, the former president Yanukovych, he um, he tried to uh, make this law about the regional language. He wanted to make Russian as the second language in some specific regions in the east and in the south of Ukraine. But then, you know, what happened then, he failed, and of course, he couldn't do that. Yes, and... Um, but anyway, most Ukrainians, they were against this idea because they didn't like it. Yeah, so, and um, yeah, th that that was the situation before February 24 in Ukraine. But um, of course, it, one year ago, uh, the situation changed, um, yes, significantly. And um, yes, I, I can say that we had some language revolution one year ago. So we can talk more about it. I mean, cancel culture and the idea of cancel culture is as much, I think, a propaganda tool as it is a real thing. I mean, of course, you know, uh, in the so-called culture wars, certain stuff does happen. Certain speakers have their voices muted or et cetera. So there's always going to be this sort of, you know, conflict between different ideas and speakers. But the idea that somehow Russian speakers were discriminated against or, mm -hmm. you know, people wouldn't speak to them at all uh, or they get abuse, let's say, in Kiev or other places. This, of course, is nonsense. And, um, you know, for those who speak neither Ukrainian nor Russian, it's somehow quite easy for this propaganda to warp their view of how Ukraine works. And one of the things, you know, I, I, I found... Um, certainly from uh, last year onwards, I started watching uh, Ukrainian sort of TV news clips, especially when, uh, you know, they have some some really interesting um, politicians who speak Russian predominantly, who are Ukrainian, and they have some Russian oppositionists. And I found it fascinating that the host of the TV program would be asking the questions in Ukrainian, and many of the speakers would be answering in Russian. Uh, one of my favorite ones is uh, Dmitry Gudkov, who's a former mm -hmm. KGB uh, agent who, who is now uh, abroad and uh, does a lot of uh, interviews for, I think, Skharamadsky or some other, some other channels. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it gives the lie, it undermines this propaganda idea that somehow, you know, Russian is not tolerated. It's, it's there in the media, Russian speakers, uh, have strong voices within Ukrainian society. And as you said, in your background, many, mm -hmm. many people, even if they can't speak, well, everyone will speak Russian if they're of a certain generation, but many people previously would have read in Russian and Ukrainian, and and it, it's it's a real sort of bilingual culture. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so um, I can say that um, uh, in my life, I heard lots of... Uh, very strong propagandic studies. Uh, first of all, um, they say that um, Ukrainian language is the language of uh, Willish people. It means only people, only um, uneducated, uh, stupid people speak Ukrainian. That uh, Russian language, the language of elite, the like um, 
uh, language of uh, powerful nation, in the language of uh, Tolstoy, Pushkin, Lermontov, blah, blah, blah. So we had this, um, this um, they, they put these ideas in our heads all the time, and many people they believed in it. And some people, they shy to speak Ukrainian because they, they didn't want to look unprofessional or yeah it's um it's it's uh, horrible and i heard this this um this ideas too or if you speak uh, ukrainian then you're like a person from the west of ukraine or you're a nationalist etc so they they um they were against people in ukraine like mean, russian people they were afraid of um ukrainization and uh, people from the west of ukraine therefore we have a very um yes we have a bad and painful history that um ukrainian language uh culture literature um it was cancelled many times during the many centuries in ukraine uh and there were uh, different laws like Valuevsky, uh, Cerkular, uh, yes, Emsky, Ukas. So it these two huge laws were accepted in the 19th century, and it was forbidden to write, to speak, to create in Ukrainian language, to um, to make plays in the theaters in Ukrainian language. So and people were prosecuted if they used Ukrainian language, many Ukrainian writers, they were sent to prisons in Siberia, um, they were killed, and there are lots of different historical facts that tell us about that, how Ukrainian language, how they tried to destroy it, not, not only our language, our culture, but Ukrainians, and this horrible laws for accepted in the 19th century, then in 20th century, uh, we had um, that at the beginning of it, many uh, representatives of Ukrainian elite uh, uh, politicians, activists, uh, um, priests, uh, writers, uh, artists, they were sent to Russia uh, or they were killed. Then we had the, uh, the period of shooting Renaissance when all Ukrainian writers, they were killed. They were just shoot. By yeah, Stalin. All the, all the intellectuals, teachers, writers, yeah, politicians yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah hold on more, so etc. So then dissidents, we have um, uh, the Ukrainian dissidents. So it was horrible times. And again, it, it yeah, Russia did it. And again, they 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 don't like our um, path of democracy and independence. And um after 2014, um, I mean, after the events on Maidan that started in um, autumn 2013, and then was uh, all these horrible events with the uh, occupation of Crimea and the war in the East. So um, many Ukrainians, they, um, they, uh, they were tired to accept this um, Russian propagandic uh, topics and they started um, uh, speaking Ukrainians, they started this um, Ukrainization because many Ukrainian cities, villages, they were, um, uh, they, they went through this Ukrainization, we changed the names of even huge cities like Dnipropetrovsk became Dnipro, uh, Tak, um, 
for example, yes, because uh, Dnipro, just the name of the river, but without this Petrovsk, Pyotr, without all this bullshit. Uh, yes, and also we um, we uh, uh, we realized that we don't want to have any of this uh, Soviet monuments, so or monuments of the Lenin. So we had this revolution in every city and every village. So we wanted to get rid of all this kind of things we don't we didn't want to have any connection with it because the soviet union didn't bring anything good for ukraine mm -hmm. just lots of suffering death and uh, discrimination so and um and uh, again <clears throat> one year ago we started to have this big uh change again this uh, big revolution in the hearts of many ukrainians um now we, we know that we have um like one way path many ukrainians realized uh, we have been suffering from russia from war for more than 300 years and we are so tired of it so it's just one way for us we don't want to come back to the previous um um like scenarios uh we realized that um it's 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 um it's our chance to change it's our chance to change it forever because otherwise if we if we will lose um we will have this worse again and again and i don't want my kids or grandkids um to go through this horrible events again um, so um many ukrainians fight fiercely for that and for my turn i do my um, i do my fight too and it's like my language front uh therefore i i try to do as much as i can to spread ukrainian language across the whole world and also uh i uh give lots of interview to ukrainian media and this way i try to inspire ukrainians to switch into ukrainian and to show them um the examples how foreigners can uh, learn ukrainian and speak it and all ukrainians know ukrainian language is again it's a it's a propaganda thing that ukrainians don't know ukrainian they know it because we learn ukrainian language at school and i can say that before 2014 like 60 now 65 70 percent of schools were ukrainian and like less than 30 percent of schools were russian but of course, even this Russian schools, um, kids learned Ukrainian language. They had the subject Ukrainian language, Ukrainian history, Ukrainian literature. Anyway, but after 2014, um, we don't have um, any Russian schools anymore, only, only Ukrainian schools. Yes, that's, uh, that's true. Uh, and uh, yes, and um, yeah, so the situation changed. And right now we have the formation of new, of new Ukrainian elite and uh, after the victory we will form our new government and there will be uh, the Ukrainians of the new generation Ukrainians who were born in the free Ukraine the Ukrainians who don't cry or have this uh, you know this uh, memories about the Soviet Union and how great 
life was there and uh, everything was uh, cheap and government cared about you and education was free and uh, um, uh, like the hospitals were free all this blah 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 this bullshit so people uh, it's like I mean the generation of old people you know who are like 50 plus uh, they had this um uh, they had this uh, bittersweet memories, you know, but as again, it's like uh, uh, life was bad in the Soviet Union. And, you know, people, when they break break up, uh, they remember only about good things <laughs> to say about these people. <laughs> they remember... it's the aging process, isn't it? You know, everyone remembers when they were younger. I mean, you still are younger, but everyone remembers back to when they're in their sort of, you know, teens and 20s yes, yes. and you know yeah the still... were nicer the sun was warmer everything was yeah, better. yeah yeah all the stuff yeah i think oh when i was a teenager it was so great i had such a easy life i lived with my parents i didn't think about anything there weren't any war <laughs> oh when i was a student it was so great to go to the university etc so all this kind of stuff but yeah unfortunately right now the situation has changed and my father he's still under the Russian occupation, and um, yeah, he's uh, 62, so he was born in the Soviet Union, uh, he got education in the Soviet Union, he was forced to um, to serve in, the, in, in Russia, so he knows that life very well, and um, yeah, but it was horrible. He he loved British music a lot. And he said, Ina, it was so horrible. I had to pay uh, 50 rubles to buy Pink Floyd, um, uh, Pink Floyd vinyl. Uh, vinyl a yeah. vinyl, yeah, a record. Yeah. The salary was 100 rubles. And uh, one vi vinyl costed 50 rubles on the black market. And he had to hide with that vinyl. Um, yes, uh, so it's horrible. He's, um, yeah, and um, he has been living under the occupation for one year, and it's horrible. And uh, thank God we have connection. Um, he can call me, but he says, um, "Ina, I'm so tired to leave here under the, under the occupation. So difficult. I feel like I live in the Soviet Union again, and there is nothing good about it. We don't have TV. We don't have internet. Um, we don't have any uh, like um, communications here. Um, it is difficult to get some medicine or some food. Um, so." Uh, he said it's 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 so bad. Um, yes, um, and uh, nothing works um, in the in the village. Although they try this uh, works uh, sort as they try to show that life is great there, but unfortunately, that's that's not true. Um, Lows. Well, we know that uh, we know uh, that yeah, villages so in not, Russia yeah, are yeah. not invested in yeah, yeah. villages so, in so Russia. My, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my dad he can catch Ukrainian radio. You know, it's it's like it, it, when he was young, he tried to to catch American. I think there was some radio American voice. He tried to catch it to listen to some Beatles music, something like that. And right right now he's trying to catch Ukrainian radio, and he can do that. And when he catch it he calls me and he cries that he hears ukrainian language and when my dad calls me we speak only ukrainian we message each other only in ukrainian 
although he like he um, he didn't um yeah see him like he I mean he he just lived his peaceful life and he didn't have any like thoughts against anybody or against Russia etc but now he 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 doesn't want to live this life anymore it's tough for him but it's tough for me too but yes he yeah although he 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 said you know it's again like life in the soviet union and it was really bad and now i live this life again <laughs> i don't want to have this life again but i hope um yeah her son region will be liberated soon and i will be able to see him I hope so. And yes. is it, it must be dangerous for, for many different reasons, but of course, one of the features of the Soviet Union is that mm -hmm. you were always at risk of your neighbours, um, mm -hmm. you know, informing on you to the authorities. So do people who speak Ukrainian, listen to Ukrainian music, mm -hmm. I assume they have to be quite careful at the moment in those occupied territories uh, maybe in villages it's less dangerous, but certainly in the larger cities, uh, you run a real risk, don't you? I think it is more dangerous in the small villages because, um, um, unfortunately, some some people they collaborate with the Russians, uh, and uh, if they don't like you, they can say something bad about you. Just they can make it up oh you know i i saw ukrainian flag at he, in his apartment and even if it's not true they will come to you and take you to the to the torture room and they will torture you um until they just search all your place yeah so it's uh, it's it's even more dangerous to live in the small village because um yes people 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 know everything about everybody and especially don't like mm, people who uh who were like military people or who worked in ukrainian police etc and if you taught ukrainian language at school yes they they don't like you too mm -hmm. uh, and of course we know that in the occupied territories you know russian propaganda the first thing they do is switch off local media and they replace it with a sort of intense bombardment of mm. propaganda. But I think a lot of people forget that in the occupied territories, um, there have been you know large cities and populations that certainly have been under that control uh, for nine years now, since 2014. But even before then, the Ukrainian government was not particularly strong at countering Russian media threats. In fact, Russian media was able to broadcast and percolate deep mm -hmm. into Ukraine with almost sort of no regulation and censorship there. And Russian media, Russian soap operas and programs had a certain kind of inbuilt, uh, call it anti-Ukrainian bias, or had a certain set of cultural tropes that, as you said earlier, you know, would cast Ukrainians not in the sort of hero roles, not in the smartest roles. Often there'd be criminals or servants or whatever. Um, so this kind of sort of cultural um, slur or this cultural sort of cliche, uh, not even cliches really, because they're, they're lies, but these kind of uh, cultural tropes 
Uh, when when do you think that started? Because it it long predates uh, the current invasion and of course twenty fourteen. I think um, it, it started since nineteen ninety one. Russian propaganda is very strong, and um, it uh, and I have to say it works very well. They did a very great job to uh, to uh, to lie and to show their reality, their truth to people uh, in Ukraine, especially in Crimea. It worked perfectly in Crimea. You know, my um, my husband, he was born in the west of Ukraine, in Ternopil. But his mom, she's from Crimea. She's originally from Crimea, but she moved to study uh, in, um, in Ternopil. She, she studied there the economies because there is um, one of the greatest Ukrainian economic universities. And my husband, when he was a child, uh, it was like, I don't know, the beginning of uh, 2000s. He went there to visit his um, grandparents. And when he spoke Ukrainian there, other small Crimea's boys called him Bandera. And my husband didn't know why. Why was he... Um, why was he um, like... Um, uh like why was he manipulated why was he um i just uh, like built yeah uh like when when you are built bu yes but bullied bu yeah bullied. yeah why was he bullied by other kids why he didn't know that he he what is going on so yes unfortunately uh we lived under this strong um russian propaganda since 1991 and it spread uh, across the whole world in uh, in um, many countries and they um, yes they they wanted to make people believe in their power in their in their um, imperialism that this is uh, the most powerful nation in the world they have the most uh, um the most beautiful culture, the Russian language is, um, yes, it's uh, strong and they this bear, vodka, blah, blah, blah. They uh, may make it so romantic, but there is nothing romantic about it. Yeah, so yeah, uh, we, we had it since our independence because they didn't want it, they didn't want the collapse of the Soviet Union, and of course they 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 had it on their mind to to uh, re renew the Soviet Union, and they tried to occupy Crimea several times, and they tried to do it in the nineties, but they 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 failed. But uh, yes, our brother country, they uh, they uh, uh, tried to do that. They, they, they were waiting for this moment, and when we were really weak, in my during the Maidan times, when we um, made our former president escape to Russia, and we fought for our democracy, we 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 were this 
like quick moment in our country. We had the revolution we needed to figure out, but they used this moment to to hit. Yes, um, to put, as we say, to put knife in our back, you know. And yes, we see what 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 happened, and we still see what is happening. Their propaganda, they 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 were zombing their people for more than thirty years, and now Russian people truly believe that we are Nazi here, fascist Nazi. It's uh, bullshit. It's it's horrible. It's surreal. I can't I believe it. I mean, one yes. of those propaganda lines, of course, is that it's Putin's war, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, that, that of course, can't be possible. You can't have a war on this mm -hmm. scale without hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people being directly involved, giving their energy, their time, their imaginations into this horrific, aggressive act. Um, you know, and even if you go back to Tolstoy, he talks about the same thing, you know. The invasion of Russia is not just Napoleon's war. It takes millions of people, you know, and he questions why, you know, why does this happen? And you have to think about those individuals and the actions they're taking. Um, and it's the same. It's the same now. There's a fascinating channel, which I'm not sure you've you've seen. We probably don't want to watch it because, you know, I mean, most Ukrainians don't want anything to do with Russia or Russian language at the moment. Um, but the channel called 1420. And it's a couple of brave, yes. brave Russians. And they do interviews on the streets. I know this. I know this. You know. But there you hear the voices, exactly what you're talking about. You hear all these propaganda tropes, all these racist impressions. And, mm -hmm. you know, occasionally you'll get maybe one out of 10 or one out of 20 people will say something original, something that's clearly a view that they've thought of that is mm -hmm. not propaganda and says, no, this war is bullshit. This war is propaganda, et cetera. And, you know, it shouldn't be happening. So occasionally, very occasionally get a small percentage of people who say that. But as you say, the majority, far from opposing the war, have these terrible narratives that they've been programmed to think and then they just sort of repeat them uh, in a in a robotic fashion yes they just live in their reality and they 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 believe that all oh, the whole world is against us and we are uh we are saints and we know the truth and yeah it's horrible i can't believe and uh unfortunately Yes, 70% of Russian people support this war and 30% of them are silent. And another one of these propaganda ideas, and you mentioned it there, is the sort of brotherly nations. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Druzhkinarod and all that kind back, of... Back. Oh, it's, it's horrible, yes. And they, they made lots of uh, TV shows about that. They uh, made some, like research about it proving that we are brothers they even uh, made some uh, music like songs about it um, that there were three sisters the older sister is russia the middle sister is belarus and the younger sister is ukraine but unfortunately the younger sister was so silly and she believed to the west they oh my god I was just, it's so creepy. It's creepy. Cring, cringy and creepy, isn't it? Uh, uh, when I saw it, I was just, oh my God. 
horrible, horrible. But I want to examine some of the subtleties behind that because uh, this is one of the many things that comes out, especially in the 1420 interviews. And this is the Russian Russians mm. basically saying, well, we're the same, with same culture, same roots, same history. I mean, all of those we know are lies, but I think it's worth unpicking it in detail because this kind of stuff also sometimes works on a Western audience too. And I think there's some fundamentally interesting things that have come out from the conversations I've had with the Ukrainians. And one is that Russian culture is fundamentally backwards looking, whereas Ukrainian culture is forward looking. Russian culture really exists in a world of trauma and victimization and mm -hmm. in some kind of sadomasochistic way almost takes pleasure in the trauma and victimhood and, and the general misery of life. And what I've started to learn about Ukrainians is you're quite the opposite. I mean, you you take joy in food, in nice houses, in cozy, cozy rooms, in in living a good life and celebrating a good life. So you yeah. couldn't have two cultures which are more different, in fact. We are completely different. Our languages are different. Uh, our culture is different. Our like music, um, our um, our literature is completely different uh, because I read some Russian classic and I read all Ukrainian classic uh, novels and they they are completely different and always in Ukrainian uh, our Ukrainian. Um, main uh, writers is Taras Shevchenko, Ivan Franko, and Lesya Ukrainka. All uh, their uh, poems, they were about the strong spirit, about the fight, about the independence, about the um, uh, democracy, and they, they said that fight and you will win. Like, um, like save your, your motherland, um, protect your language, um, Yes, um, be proud of Ukrainian, love Ukraine. They said that in their, um, yes, in their poems. So of course it it uh, formed us, and uh, yes, it, it's completely different. It has different spirit, and we are different people. We have different mentality. We have free mind. Um, I I always felt free in my country, and I always could express myself as they want. And if I don't like something, I can talk about it. I can easily mm, discuss it with other people. I can protect myself. I can shout about my rights. It's, um, yes, I don't know. Mm. It's, it's, it's different. Of course, we are completely different. We don't have any in anything in common. And right now, after the this uh this uh, horrifying bloody full-scale war we don't have we don't want to have anything in common with them stop that's it nothing in common we we will we will separate from them completely and um yes i want to say that before the february 24 i i could watch some russian bloggers um I, I could listen to some Russian music, but after February 24, it's just like cut off. I can't listen um, to Russian language. I, I can't just, um, 
I, I can't. I don't know. For me, it's just something like, I don't know. It's when, when I hear Russian language, it's something like um, disgusting for me. It's something painful. I don't know. I, 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 I can't hear it. I can't watch it. I can't speak it at all. I can't speak it at all. I can't say a word out of my mouth. It's something, I don't know. I can't do it. It's, and some of my friends and members of my family, they shared the same feeling. They said the same. They they can't use it. Because um yeah, when I when I hear uh people speaking Russian, especially such this like very strong Russian accent, I feel bad. I can't hear it. I can't be in one room with these people. I don't know, it just it's something like strange for me and I don't want to be with it. It's, I don't know, it's it's how I feel. When I hear it, I, I feel some pain. I feel some, I have some bad associations in my head. Like fingers scraping on a, on a, on a blackboard or, a, you know, some yes, sort yes, of uh, it's irritating good, yeah. sound, yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I um yeah especially when you're abroad and when i hear people speak in russian um i i i have okay are these people russians what can i expect from them i don't want to be <laughs> near them i don't want to hear them it's um yes yes so um, no. no i always go past and uh say slavo ukraine when i Pass them by, yeah. yes. <laughs> and That's it'll have exactly. either one effect. Oh yes, yes. I I have uh, my bag made in Ukraine. I have Ukrainian uh, some. Um, I have this bag. I have this Ukrainian um, just hairband. So I have lots of Ukrainian uh, symbols on me. So people, when they see me, they they can clearly know that I'm from Ukraine because I'm proud of it. So um. So I'm the person who supports Ukrainianization 100% because um, I am a Ukrainian. I live in Ukraine and this is the country where I can pretend to, to hear Ukrainian language. There is no any other country in the world where I can pretend to be served in Ukrainian, pretend to hear Ukrainian, pretend to you to listen music in Ukrainian, to go to the theater and see plays in Ukrainian, to read, to buy books in Ukrainian. So, exactly yeah. right. And politically, I think, if we take this connection between language and politics, I think a lot of people also won't quite realize, you know, we talked mm -hmm. about how Russia weaponizes its culture and we've talked about how it's taken its soft power and it's basically squandered it. Uh, through mm -hmm. its aggression and through using, you know, whatever good and bad it had in its art and culture, it's all now been weaponized uh, mm -hmm. because the people who rule Russia don't care. They don't care about uh, any sort of heritage that it uh, might have had or any positivity in the world that it might have achieved. And Belarus is an interesting case, isn't it? Because that's a case where the Belarus language has died out. It hasn't had the same protection or motivation amongst the population and in the cities it's all but died out it's only mm -hmm. in villages amongst the older generation that you can mm -hmm. you can still hear it and it doesn't have that same sort of um 
cultural strength, perhaps because it's a smaller country, perhaps because the process of Russification was more brutal there, almost yeah. certainly because they've been under a, uh, you know, a Russophile dictatorship under Lukashenko yeah. uh, for such a long period of time. And that's a good case in point, isn't it? For those who are saying that Ukraine needs to respect Russian speakers, blah, 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 they fail to recognize that Russia uses its language as a weapon. And once you erode the language, you also erode the ability of that country to fight back or remain independent politically. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I absolutely agree with you. And I'm very sad about the Belarus people because they lost their language, culture, identity. They tried to fight for it. Um, yes, um, in 2020, but they failed. Unfortunately, uh, their spirit wasn't so strong. And I'm very sad about it. And uh, yeah, you know, um, yes, I remember in uh, 2017, I was in Georgia the country, Georgia, and I went there together with my friend, and um, yeah, we spoke in Ukrainian there, and uh, then we met the, the girl from the Belarus, and she heard us speaking Ukrainian, she said, ah, are you from the west of Ukraine? We say, no, we are from the south of Ukraine, and she said, you speak your native language? We said, yes, and she said, our language died. No, actually, girls, you know, we are the Russian colony. <laughs> And uh, yes, it it was true, and it was upset, really upset. Um, yes, so um, uh, so I wanted to say that uh, it was one of the biggest, um, like one of the Russian propaganda thing that we um, we started this operation because uh, Russian people who live in the in the east and uh, south of Ukraine, they are suffering there. Their rights um, are weak there, and we want to protect there. Therefore, we want to liberate them there. And uh, yes, unfortunately, yes, the eastern and southern parts of Ukraine suffered the most, and most people died there, and they keep dying every day. No, that that's the horrific irony of of uh, what yes. Russia is doing. The denazification, the Russification yeah. is actually targeting those people but, who uh, may have had some sympathy yeah. in the past. Yeah, it's an irony, but from another side, it has the different effect mm -hmm. because people uh, in in these regions they used to speak more Russian. Now they don't want to speak it; they refuse it. Mm -hmm. So they they have the opposite effect. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, well, you could apply that to so many things. Uh, you know, Putin claims that Russia is in danger and yet he's placed it in danger. He claims that we're trying to destabilize uh, Russian society and politics. And, and of course, he's brought about the same. He complains about being encircled by NATO. But through his actions, he's expanded vastly the amount of NATO borders. I mean, none of it makes sense. And I think I've long long ago ceased to try and, and rationalize uh you know what russia does and what it says because there's often no rationality uh there at all but what you're doing is is i think incredibly powerful um not just sort of culturally 
but as a way of resisting uh, Russian control, coercion and propaganda, and a, as a way of uniting people so they're better able to, to be resilient uh, and, mm. uh, and create a society there. So my last question is, where, where's your channel going and how's it growing? And, and you know, what, what are your plans for the next, uh, the next uh, well, for the rest of the year in, in building uh, the great work that you're doing? Yes. Uh, so I want to say that um, one year ago, uh, we, um, yes, we had a huge shock. We didn't expect that full-scale invasion, but it united us and we realized completely who we are and what life we want to have in the future. And the price is very high and there is no way to come back to the previous life anymore. And uh, Ukrainian language became very popular. And um, in 2022, it it popped up in the list of top 15 uh, the most popular languages in the world like that, that people started to learn and especially yes Duolingo they show the statistics that like uh, Ukrainian language became more popular in 577 percent and of course many people started to learn Ukrainian and uh, many people started to sign up to my course I had to launch it every month and my I had to extend my team and my YouTube channel started to grow rapidly and uh, I I got an offer like um, I offered Oxford uh, to teach my course there and they agreed and I'm the first teacher who uh, teaches the Ukrainian language and it's amazing it's a it's a it's a huge it's a huge success of course so um so i uh i'm so happy that um i decided to teach ukrainian language not russian because uh many people told me like my subscribers they say you know it's better to teach russian because it will be more popular and you will have more subscribers more clients blah 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 but i realized no I don't want to teach Russian. I want to teach Ukrainian. It's my native language and I believe in it. And I'm so happy I did this choice um, uh, more than five years ago. And now I I'm I feel very happy about it. And so my goal is um, after the victory, I'm going to open the cultural center in Kyiv. So it will be a hub of Ukrainian language and culture. So if you want to learn Ukrainian language, if you want to take some intensive courses or take some workshop, how to make Varaniki or to uh, celebrate uh, the Ukrainian dependence together with us uh, or to uh, know more about the uh, traditions, how Ukrainians celebrated Christmas more than 100 years ago and we still celebrate it. So I think people can be um, get touch with the Ukraine uh, I mean, foreign people who will come to Ukraine after the victory to explore it, they will think about my cultural center. They will think, okay, I want to go there first. Um, so it will be like a, a huge like place for exploring Ukraine. So that's my goal. That's my dream. And yes, and I hope, um, I think maybe in five years, I will be in Ukrainian politics. I don't know. I'm just, I just, think I, I I I can be there and help um as much as I can and I believe that um 
um, yes, there will be a new generation, my generation, uh, elite, and uh, they they um, they uh, share Ukrainian language, all Ukrainian media, all Ukrainian um, writers, bloggers, artists. Um, they they speak Ukrainian. They switch into Ukrainian, and they show. Um, people that it works to speak Ukrainian because it's nice and they keep creating more uh, more content in Ukrainian. So I believe we will have this uh, um, Ukrainization and people, they will proud to be Ukrainian. They will want to speak Ukrainian. They will want to, uh, to create more in Ukrainian for Ukrainians. I, I believe in it. And I want to be... Uh, I want to do something for it too. So that's that's my um, idea. And I, I hope that my in the future, when I have my um, family and my kids, they won't know Russian. They won't be in it. I want my kids to know Ukrainian language. And if they want to learn foreign language, yes, you're welcome. English, Spanish, Italian, Chinese, French, please. Yeah. Yes, please, Russian, yes, because they won't be any need to learn it that's my dream i think the cultural center is a fabulous idea i really hope yes. that that happens and judging by the success of your channel and the great work you're doing in teaching uh ukrainian in oxford i have no doubt that you'll be able to achieve that and um i'm so glad you could you could share these ideas and dreams with us today and uh i really encourage people to check out your channel they're fantastic videos they're incredibly accessible uh and really could get people sort of kick-starting their journey to learn ukrainian um but you know thank you so much and stay safe while you're you. uh, visiting ukraine thank you so much slava ukraine Heroim slava <laughs>